Konnichiwa, this is Hell to Japan, and tonight we're covering social welfare. Depending on where you come from, uh, you may have uh, your own personal opinions about social welfare, whether it's uh, deserved or not, but uh, we live in a country where we are afforded certain benefits, such as uh, health and unemployment insurance, along with pension. And uh, on tonight's podcast, I am going to do my best to thread the needle which will hopefully touch upon how important health and unemployment insurance was during a critical juncture in my life and uh with that said yeah i've got a i've also got a co-host because it sounds like a monologue uh, but i'm actually doing this with someone else <laughs> that you are how's my co-host doing i'm doing pretty good i'm doing pretty good today mm, good. pretty good week I think uh, you can't complain when you get uh, free money from your government. And, uh, but you say free money. I, I like to look at it as, okay, where is my money going as a taxpayer? In this because case, it's, not, it's going It's not to coming me. out of thin air. <laughs> it's not coming out of thin air, is it? You're not born and then suddenly just, oh, okay, I'm just going to take welfare. <laughs> I'm just going to take money from the fucking government. It doesn't really work that way, does it? I don't know how it works. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm not going to say either way. I like, I know there's like these arguments like, what's happening to the money? Where's the money going? Where's it coming from? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. But somehow I got some. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice, though, is uh, this time around, difference between a, a Trump administration and a Biden administration check is that the Biden administration, they send you a letter telling you that you're going to get a check. And then they say, if it doesn't come within a week of this letter, call the IRS. I was like, you know what? That That's thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. It's kind of nice. Mm. It's, it's like, nice uh, to have like some feel like uh, not completely negative feelings towards the IRS when yeah. you can actually put them in their place and say, hey, yeah. give me my fucking money. Yeah, you're you so money? used to taking my money, <laughs> and now now it's fucking my turn to collect you motherfuckers. Where's my money? Pay me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, you're you went to the horse track this week. Pay me. <laughs> Your mom's in the hospital. Pay me. Pay me. Good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's get started on this juncture in my life. I was working at a language school. I was, I was teaching, first of all, I was teaching in Tokyo, and uh, I lost that job because I was a inveterate drunk, drank too much, was often late, and I was looking at other options, and there was this option out in Saitama. So I applied, they said, the school said I had to go in for an interview out in Saitama, I had no, no idea where that was, so I went out. To Saitama. I, I, I thought it was just on the outskirts of Tokyo, but it was an hour and a fucking half away from Shinjuku, where I was working. And they said that they would be, they could provide accommodation and all sorts of other little perks for me taking this job. So I ended up going into the interview and landing this job. And this is where I met you. Yeah, that's right. I was a fellow member of this organization. We weren't at the same area, though. No, we were in different places. But, How far uh, away were we? It was I like, think um, we were about 30 minutes. Yeah, because I, 
I think I first met you because I was a sub uh, substitute. I was a substitute yeah. teacher. If you didn't have an, um, if someone took a day off at your school, then I would go in to replace that person. Right, and I remember that you became kind of a a permanent part time guy at my school because there were two kids that I could not handle, <laughs> mm. and so uh, you were able to come in and somehow wrangle them in. I was never good at handling rambunctious children. What's hilarious about that is that I hate kids. Yeah. So that could have been something to do with it. Yeah, you had a better handle. Like, I mean, I, I would finish <laughs> these two kids. I would finish a before the lesson was done. There was a couple lessons where the kids would just pick up their pencils and scribble all over the wall. And I was just like, wow. I... I don't know what to do. I would talk to them. At, I don't. I don't know what to do. They just decided to scribble all over the wall, and they're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so, mm, mm, mm. I don't know what to do with these children, you know. But uh, yeah, so I, I, you... I have no idea why they chose me. Oh, actually, I did have a. I was teaching a, um, a few kids classes, and mm-hmm. what you got to understand, uh, listener, if you're teaching at one of these schools, is that. At least when we were there, there was like an uptick in parents wanting to send their ki- uh, kids to their schools to learn mm-hmm. English or yeah. to take these kids off their hand um, mm-hmm. during a certain par- uh, part of the day. Right. Um, I-, I wasn't qualified. I don't have any special certification on teaching kids. Mm-hmm. But uh, somehow I was able to, I, I resonated with many kids mm-hmm. because I didn't put up with any shit. Mm-hmm. And I think I made it clear just to, just don't like, listen, I don't like you. You little punk. <laughs> I want to make your life fucking hell. <laughs> Close the door, and now you're in my domain, you little prick. Mm. And then, and then, um, I think the only highlight of my teaching career was meeting this this Down syndrome kid. Uh-huh. Did I tell you that story? No. There was a Down I, syndrome kid. Maybe you kid. did. I just don't remember. Yeah, he came in my class, and, and I, I remember. Uh, listen, I, I was I was terrible, but I just I was aghast. I, I actually just. I think I said something out loud. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this kid comes into class, you know, with a weight. Because it's, you know, it's Down syndrome. I'm like, fuck, right, I'm, right, I'm just yeah. not equipped to deal with you. I, don't, I can't even handle... I don't even like other, like, normal kids. And they're going right. to bring in a fucking Down syndrome kid. But the mother came in with him. And so I'm there to try to teach this Down syndrome kid fucking the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And I remember we, we spent months. I was going through the alphabet with him. And the mother is there sitting with him. And... And for some reason, yeah, we uh, we connected. Mm-hmm. He, he he really wanted to understand what I was saying. I was I, was, I, I got him to understand like fucking A B C, and he, he got him to read a little bit. Mm-hmm. And his mother is just amazed right. at how her kid is responding to my to to my teaching methods. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the end of the year, you get these cards. You know, you know how you got to like um, at the school, you got to write these. Right, cards. cards or whatever the hell. Summer yeah. cards and shit. Hey, great. It was great teaching you. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Welcome back. And it's all handwritten. And right. <laughs> so you got to go through hundreds of these fucking cards. Right. And and I received a card. For, I used to get, get some cards back from parents. And this mother had written like the most beautiful card. I've, and I kept it. But it was mm-hmm. basically saying uh, in English, virtually almost perfect English. Mm-hmm. She said to me, Thank you, thank you for helping my son mm. learn English. He wow. can't, he can't learn anything else. But within your class, he actually learned, uh, learned the alphabet, and uh, you're an amazing teacher. And wow, thought, that's touching. I'm, I'm like, I was like crying when I was like yeah. reading this. I'm like, fucking hell. 
actually had an impact on right. on a kid. I guess as a teacher, I think you you live for these moments. Right, right, definitely. But my um, yeah, my happens. heart really wasn't in it. But yeah. but anyway, talking about our experiences at at the school, I, I want to get into unemployment insurance. So. Mm-hmm. There, there was a common practice at this language school. Oh, well, not just this school, but many language schools uh, where they don't provide unemployment insurance, mm-hmm. even though you're technically a full-time worker, i.e. working 40 hours a week. Instead of giving you unemployment insurance, do you remember what they offered at the end of your contract? Didn't they offer you a free tri- uh, plane, home, plane ride home? Yeah, that's right. One-way ticket home. Get out of town, baby. <laughs> They do provide housing, and the housing that I was in was like it was like 15 minutes away from the station where the school was located, and 15 minutes, this is by bicycle. So this mm-hmm. is the first time in Japan where I'm riding a fucking bicycle with a little basket. Nice. So that can give you some idea about the prices of these little apartments. In Tokyo, but yes, everybody knows it's expensive, but we're talking about Saitama. And if you're that far away from the station, it's not that expensive. So I, um, I could imagine that it would be uh, they either own the property or they've got some special deal with the property manager. But they're making a killing off of uh, English teachers. Right. But at least we've got you know you've got some place to stay. You are in the you know in the neighborhood, so so you could just take a bicycle to work. And in my case, because I was drinking a lot at the time, I would just go spend time in the bars afterwards and ride my bicycle home drunk. And then uh, wake up again next morning, go back to go back to work, and start at ten a.m. to uh, eight p.m. at night, which is a great schedule for a young guy. Mm. Was it? Was your schedule the same? I think I got in there at eleven. Oh wow! Yeah. So, it was so like you got all the perks. Eleven to nine. Eleven to nine. That's what I think it was. Well, oh, okay. Uh, my my apartment was a little bit closer, but you know that's besides the point. That doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, similar circumstance. What I remember about the school itself was that both of the teaching rooms didn't have any windows. Right. And like I look back at that and it's like, what is that? That is so weird. How many rooms do you walk into that don't have any windows? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like, it's not well, a reality. Well, it's a, well yeah, no, because it's an asylum. Mm, yeah i guess so uh that's weird but you know they don't really tell you and that's another thing like they're telling you about health uh, workers insurance like i when i got into when i worked in a proper japanese office i was working part-time and they gave me uh workers insurance and they said it's because it's the law (laughs) you know Mm. and you know, you, you mentioned earlier, it's like we were full time. I mean, the, even if you're not full time, if you're working 30 hours a week with a company, you should be getting workers, uh, workers insurance. Um, and also, you know, health insurance as well, which you're going to touch upon on. I didn't have health insurance until after maybe the second or third job I had. I didn't realize I was I should have been automatically put into something because it, it's a it's a weird system because if you're not if the company doesn't automatically register you into health insurance and the pension system you're supposed to get a message from the city office telling you to join mm. but I never got those messages and when I 
when I inquired about that later on, because it really shot me in the foot about when we were talking about housing, I mean, it, they were like, well, we, we don't really send these out to foreigners because we consider we don't want to bother them because they're probably just going to be here for a short, t- short time anyway. Mm. So it, it's well, they're working like at a, these language schools that give them a one way ticket home. Yeah. So they, it's kind of like a passive racism, a passive prejudice uh, that um, works its way into the system. And with people who are not overtly racist in any way, of course, if you ask for it, then you'll get it. But it, it's something where you, you really have to figure out. Maybe on the um, the the company side, there's a bit more... I don't know what is it racism prejudice um discrimination maybe that's it discriminatory uh actions because they don't consider you someone who's going to be in any system for a long period of time right right so yeah so leading into unemployment insurance i i had no idea about it while working at these language schools i had no idea whether i was entitled to it or not um given my visa status for example being on a going from a working holiday visa to a work visa. So it was all very just, yeah, it was a nebulous. It was all nebulous to me. But the um, but I remember I was my contract was coming up for renewal, and I think they might have been first or second, no, second, second year. And they um, they didn't want to renew it. And it was around about that time that I was talking to a Canadian friend who was a lawyer. Uh, well, back in Canada, but he was also fluent, a fluent Japanese speaker, and he, he, understood, he understood the law in Japan. And I told him about my predicament. I said, oh, shit, I think um, you know, they're, they're trying, to, trying to get rid of me, and, and I, I wonder what my options are. They just want to give me a one-way ticket home, and I'm not, I want to stay in Japan. And, he, and then he said, what? Wait, 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 back up. What? One-way ticket home? I said, yeah. Yeah, that's part of the contract. At the end of the contract, uh, if they don't renew it, then you just get a one-way ticket home. And then he and he said, "Well, what about unemployment insurance? You, you're entitled to that, aren't you going to get that?" And and I said, "No." <laughs> I said, "Why? Why would I be entitled to it? I'm getting a one-way ticket home." And and he said, "No, that's that's illegal. What they're doing is illegal." And so we had this like one. We spent one night drinking together, and he just he just laid laid it all out for me, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, you bunch of fucking cunts. You've been doing this for years, getting away with it, with this illegal practice. And none of these uh, native English teachers were any were you know, none the wiser. They just took it as a given, not knowing their rights. When in actuality, everyone, everyone was entitled to unemployment insurance. And the company was making a killing because they didn't have to pay into unemployment insurance. Like you said, there is this. I have no idea about the underhanded dealings they have with perhaps government officials. I don't know, but it's an all too common practice. I don't think they need to have any underhanded dealings because one of the issues that I think that I'm starting to understand is that there's very little oversight from the government regarding taxes and uh, and other things regarding unemployment insurance because it seems to be all in these separate different administrative uh, systems. Right. And uh, something that I wanted to mention was uh, that we'll, we'll talk about later at a, at a news in a news episode, which is the, the whole my number card system, which is mm. designed to try to kind of weed out all the fraud that's been going on. Mm-hmm. And by through digitization, but we'll talk about that at another time. But yeah, I think that it, it it's you know if you're 
if you are one of the things is if you are a person who is working in a variety of different jobs and you don't want to report your taxes you don't it's the law to report it but if you don't the government's not going to find out it's really weird Right. There's a lot a lot of people who are over the board, you know, who work full-time jobs who then maybe get a side job doing something and maybe it's like uh maybe they make 250,000 yen. They'll just naturally say, "Oh, I'm not going to report that." <laughs> as and it's as if it's not a problem. <laughs> if you did that in America and it was like an above the board job, not like under right. the table as they say. Right. The IRS would be down your throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, that's not it's really weird. Like you, you but cuz it's all about the honor system in Japan. There's a lot of honor system. It's an honor system society. Right. So everyone You got a reputation on the line. Yeah, so you everyone believes like yeah, we're doing the right thing. Even though maybe not everyone's doing the right thing. Even mm. politicians who say pay into the pension system, then they get found out they're not paying into it and there's no penalty. Right. So right. They, without the penalty and without really strong oversight, you know, it's just kind of a weird world that we live in in that respect. Mm. So please my, contra- yeah, yeah. Mm. my contract uh, yeah, had uh, particularly ended and I remember going in one day for like one, some of my final classes and I said to the office manager, I said, can we, can we talk for a minute? And she said, yeah, sure. And I said, well, hey, um, I would like to introduce an idea which uh, you may not have heard of, but uh, it's called unemployment insurance. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said that, it was like, fuck, see her whole demeanor change, her, everything. It was just like slapped her in the face. And she's like, what, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean uh, unemployment insurance? I said, yeah, unemployment insurance. This is um, thing that we're entitled to. And uh, I'd like my unemployment insurance if my contract's ending. I think I'm entitled to that. And she said, no, 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 no. Listen, what you don't understand is, is that you signed a contract agreeing to you accepting a ticket home. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I did sign that contract. But uh, what you're not understanding is, is that it's illegal not to be paying into the unemployment system to your full-time employees. And she said to me, you, uh, listen, I think, uh, I don't know why you want that. You know, you should just take a, just take your ticket and go home. You're not going to make that much from unemployment insurance. So now she's just trying to twist, twist it, um, mm. twist a narrative to say, no, actually, look at the amount of money you get from a ticket versus unemployment insurance. And I said, <laughs> I said, no, actually, if it works out the way I do, um, that I think it does, I am entitled to two thirds of my salary for as long, uh, for at least three months. For this tenure, I'm entitled for two thirds of my salary, which is a lot more than the one plane ticket home. Hmm. So the one plane ticket home, how much would that have cost? That would have cost, uh, uh, depending, uh, they would have chosen the cheapest time of the year to go back to New Zealand. So let's say 70, 80,000, 80,000 yen, 80, 80, yen, right? Yeah, Versus yeah, three months or two, you know, uh, of my salary, which yeah. is you know, hundreds of thousands. Um, uh, what would that have been? Two, four, six, seven, seven hundred. Yeah, six, seven hundred thousand. So, yeah. so that's where they're making all their money. Is not having to pay into the system and not having and not being not uh, having to pay this money to their fucking employees. And you know the worst thing about it was is that mm. the, the government actually helps these companies. 
They're not right. paying everything. I mean, the, the, the company is paying part of it. The government is, is making up the difference. So it's it really it infuriated me to know that. Uh, oh, I'm missing a step because I took my Canadian friend took me to this place called Hello Work. Mm. And you're familiar with Hello Work, right? Yeah, yeah. So Hello Work, to, the, to listeners who don't know much about Japan, Hello Work is uh, the Japanese government's employment service center. So it's a public institution. Um, you go there when you lose your job so that they can help you find other work or help you uh, with the necessary documentation to apply for unemployment insurance. So my Canadian friend took me to this place and uh, we needed to speak. No one could speak any English. So I went in there and this woman, he spoke fluent native level Japanese, just thank God. But uh, he said to her, he said, oh, you know, um, I got a, I got a friend here and uh, this is what the, co- what the company's done. Yeah, is it, uh, what do you think about that? And she just gave us, she had this stern look in her face. She said, uh, tell me more about this company. So she started making notes <laughs> about right. this company. Uh, so I gave the name of the company. And uh, she wanted to know all these other details, the president, okay, where is it located? And, uh, and she said, uh, yeah, it's illegal. And we'll be giving them a call. And within the, within the space of a day, mm-hmm. I had, I, I woke up, I woke up uh, late in the day and I had like 10 missed calls from oh, the wow. HR department at the head office. <laughs> the oh, head wow. office of our school. I called them back and this woman was uh, just scared. She's just like, listen, uh, George, do you, do, you, do you know what you're doing? You've opened Pandora's box. I was like, what the <laughs> she fuck said that? are you talking about? This she woman. Said, you opened woman. Pandora's <laughs> box. Wow. <laughs> She spoke fluent English. I was like, what are you talking about, Pandora's box? What the fuck? What the fuck expression is that when I'm just asking for my fucking right? I'm asking to to get what I deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. End of days. Yeah. Uh, She said, like, she demanded that I come into the head office. And I said, oh, let me check my schedule. (laughs) How about I come in on Friday? (laughs) It was like a Monday or Tuesday. And I was like, I'll come in on Friday. Oh, can you come in early? I'm like, nah. No, I can't. And uh, so I went on Friday, and I was remember I go into the waiting room. I sit down. As soon as I sit down, they're like, "Oh, the president's waiting for you in the the meeting room." So I go into the meeting room, and uh, here's a pleasant, pleasant gentleman. And he he said he said, "Listen, you are the first teacher to ever ask for unemployment insurance." And I said, "Okay, well, why?" And he said, "Well, because everyone is just so happy to receive this ticket home." At least I'm trying to make it out like a fucking Willy Wonka's fucking golden ticket to a fucking factory or something. <laughs> I was like, well, I said, well, you know, I don't think they knew. They, they, didn't, they didn't know their rights. And mm. and he, um, he said that they, they're always very happy to receive it. It's like it's a bonus. And that was a part of the contract. And they do live up to the terms of the contract. And, uh, and I said, well, you've just come across one teacher who doesn't accept that. I just want what's due. I mm. want what's owed to me. And I am owed this i'm owed unemployment insurance and for you to treat me like this this is frankly uh very disappointing i just hope that uh we can get this resolved as quickly as possible otherwise i'll be seeking legal counsel and as soon as he said as i said that he said oh no we'll get it sorted out so please give us until uh give us a couple of days and i said yeah okay and that was that 
Mm. Finally got, and, and I couldn't wait to speak to you and other teachers I knew. I, mm. I started, you know, I went out to drinks uh, for drinks with other English teachers in the area who were working for Nova and uh, and Gabba and all these other uh, companies. I said, "Listen, these are your rights. Know your fucking rights. You're right. entitled to it." Right. So hopefully, I start a little mini fucking uh, revolution there. Right. I don't know what what became of it since then, but oh, maybe people are a little wiser now. But uh, but Absolutely. with this podcast, I hope that more people who do come in Japan and take up these uh, full time positions. I'm not talking about part time work. Um, that's a little more complicated. But full time work, definitely, you are entitled to unemployment insurance. So make sure that your employer has you involved because you never know what will happen, and you could lose your job for whatever unforeseen circumstance. As long as you are not the you hold responsible for it, you know, if hmm. criminal behavior, you, then you're not covered. So so this is how it works. If your contract comes up and they can't give a legitimate reason why, then that counts as your contract being terminated during uh, due to the company. That's a critical point that I want people to, to remember. If the company deems you're no longer needed, but it's their reason, then you can immediately get unemployment insurance. Whereas if you are f- fired for gross negligence or criminal behavior, power, sexual harassment, or whatever, then it's, it's far more difficult to get unemployment insurance. Or you, you'd, you'd have to wait a long time to get it. So in my case, I, I got it pretty quickly. That's good. I mean, I have a, a an interesting story, maybe along similar lines, about this um, story that I've told you a lot about. My, my boss, who is this ridiculous man, who would say stuff like, I would ask for health insurance. He'd be like, what? You want health insurance? Foreigners don't want health insurance. They don't, they don't want these types of things. Oh, pension. They don't want to eat this stuff. And it all, I, you know, it all culminated with me you know, trying to get a housing loan and couldn't get one because I didn't have the pension or health insurance or unemployment insurance and all these types of things involved. And what happened was this. I told the principal of the school that I was working at that this person wasn't doing all these things. And then he said, okay, well, why don't you find a different company that you can work (laughs) through (laughs) to work for us? (laughs) So I took it upon myself (laughs) to call a different dispatch company Explaining the situation. (laughs) And then I brought that company in. However, I didn't get the job that I connected Uh, them to. uh, So, but that led me into a different world. I I got into a Japanese office, which is a whole other can of worms we're not going to talk about. But it's a a weird world that we live in. You keep like, saying word world we live in. Uh, We're living in fucking Japan. Yeah, in Japan, it's, like, weird, it's like the it's fucking, ar- fucking archipelago of fucking yeah. stories like this. Yeah. I don't think it'll happen in many other countries. Uh, unless those, you know, talk about corrupt countries. Yeah. With very very little fucking uh, oversight. many Not many functioning institutions or corruptions running rampant. I mean, we're talking yeah. about Japan. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's supposed to be... Like a beacon of um, you know modernization, but yeah. apparently not. Kind of get their shit it's, together on some of these fucking yeah. things. Well, they're, they're trying to, which is something that we'll mention in the news 
later this month. You know, the, you know, the uh, thing is, I, you just brought, you, you maybe remember I remember when I joined the school. There, there was another I had an American coworker, and he told me a story when he first joined. He he had been there uh, several years prior. He was from uh, New York, and he he um he came seven or eight years prior to coming back again, and. He said when he was there again, he he went into the uh, the apartment that he gave him, uh, which the same apartment that he got the, you know, the second time around. But so mm-hmm. he he said to me, he went in and there was no uh, no electricity, and uh, he wanted to know how because it was really cold. Yeah. So he wanted to put on the heater, and then they said to him, "Did you hear about this?" Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I remember this story. It's he. He had some sort of, they had some, okay, take a tea kettle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and put it on top of a gas heater. Yeah. And it'll yeah, make yeah, yeah. the room warm. It'll make the room warm. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's just looking at the, like a uh, gape, right? mouth wide open, looking at the, staring at them intently. He's like, what, can you say that again? He's like, oh no, what you do is, what you do is you put, you put like a kettle on and that'll, that'll warm, warm up your apartment. <laughs> and he... Yeah, you. I would have hit the fucking roof. I would have been. I, I would have fucking want to slap this cunt in the face. And she, but he said to he he said to her. He said, "Oh, really? Is that is that what you do?" And she said, "Oh, no, no. You know, I put on the heater." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I don't quite understand. So there was a gas stove. There was a gas something stove like that. In it was the a gas room? stove. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Oh, it was the actual like thing that you cook things on. Yes. Jesus Christ, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> that reminds me of stories that my dad used to tell me about World War II when there was no electricity in the house because there was a war on. And so <laughs> all the kids, the mom, his mom would wake up early in the morning and turn on the gas oven and open the door of the gas oven. And all the kids would run the stairs, down the stairs and, and huddle around the gas oven <laughs> because it was World War II. <laughs> No, we're talking about Japan in like the <laughs> early 2000s. <laughs> in the early 2000s, you got you got like an American guy there uh, being told this advice. He's like, no, don't worry about it. You just put like a kettle on. And uh, he couldn't believe his fucking ears. Oh, boy. So, um, so anyway, yeah, you just reminded me of that story. So anyway, I'm, in, um, yeah. uh, I'm there without a job, but I'm getting unemployment insurance and I'm sick. I'm sick for some reason. I, I think I've, I've got the flu. Uh, I've already been kicked out. Oh, that's another thing. I've already been kicked out of my um, apartment, right? And so I'm living with a friend, a Kiwi mate, uh, a few stations away. He's letting me stay with him. Very nice guy. And then I, I just become sick. Really crook. And I can't, uh, I can't eat. And I go, to, I go to multiple hospitals. I've been given all these antibiotics. And then... Over the course of three or four days, I can't breathe properly. And then one night, I'm at another friend's house watching something, and I complain about not being able to breathe. So they rush me to the hospital, and they do these tests on me, and uh, they look at the x-rays of my, of my lungs. The, the first real reason I'm given is that it could be pneumonia. Um, but anyway, here's what you should be taking. So they gave me a cocktail of medicine, and I'm not eating. I have very little, no appetite. And for another few days, and now now I'm, I'm, I'm bedridden. I can't do anything. And my girlfriend came to visit me, and she's worried. Everyone's worried. And I don't know what to do. So I go to another hospital. Same thing. 
okay, some other more medication. And I think this lasted over two weeks. I'm gaunt, can't move. And it was at that stage I called uh, my host mother. She's someone who I stayed with uh, as a high school student for three months. And I, and I said to my host mother, I said, hey, um, I'm in real trouble here. I think I'm, I think I'm dying. Can you help me? Is there? Can you help me find a place in Tokyo? And so she she said yes. Get on a train. Are you able to move? Get on a train. I said I'll, I'll try. So I, I made my way on a train. I met her in Tokyo, and she took me to a local clinic. And I remember sitting. I remember making my way to the waiting area, and I stand up, and I can't see. I've lost my fucking eyesight. So I'm screaming the top of my lungs because I'm fucking mm. blind. So I'm screaming. Right. I'm like, God, and I can't see anything. And then, and then it's a blur after that. But then I'm, I'm sitting down with an IV in me. Uh, I, my eyesight's been restored. And the, doc, uh, the doctor conducted this, all these different tests and took another look at my lungs. So another x-ray of my lungs. And he said, uh, I think this is tuberculosis. And... Uh, I'm going to refer you to a hospital that specializes in tuberculosis. And I've never heard, you know, I had never heard that term in, since I was young. It was like something that my fucking great-grandparents, I think, suffered from. Right. What the fuck is tuberculosis doing yeah. in Japan in me? Right. What the right. fuck, how the fuck does that work? This yeah. like fucking almost medieval fucking disease. This is a, like a, from a bygone era. Right. But I soon discovered, actually, no, it's pretty common in Japan. So, so I'm, I'm at that point, within a day, I'm, um, I'm taken to this hospital and I'm wheelchaired in. I can't even fucking walk. I'm wheelchaired in, and the doctor takes one look at the X-rays and he's like, "Oh, yes, this is uh, tuberculosis. Welcome. Uh, you're going to be staying with us for several months." Whew. And uh, so that's where that's I, re- that's where I remained, yeah. and that's. Yeah. Luckily, I was getting money for unemployment insurance, which would have lasted a few months. So it's given me some breathing space, right? And also, I'm I'm also uh, on. I've got health insurance. If I didn't have right. health insurance, then I would be fucked, completely right. fucked. So so that's leading into. Sorry, sorry, everyone, if you're you're waiting to, to hear me talk about health insurance. But health insurance is basically uh, anywhere you work. You don't even have to have a company give you health insurance you just get it yourself go to any municipal government uh, where you're living and you can pay into it yourself independently uh, i forgot how much it, it costs but it's not that expensive that should cover cover 70 percent of whatever costs accrue when right. you go and go to visit a dentist or if you get tuberculosis and you're stuck in a hospital for fucking seven months so in my case yeah i was very lucky to get the double whammy of unemployment insurance and uh, health care, health, health insurance. It all just worked right. in this. It was an amazing um, coalescing. It was like, a, it was like I've got like, so, like such bad luck, misfortune, but mm. it was balanced with the fact that I've got the safety net. Right. And we're talking about, the, yeah, it's, it's really important to have those things. And it, from the American perspective, I think when you got tuberculosis, I, that's when I got health insurance. Uh, you made sure you got it yeah but it's but the the whole idea from the american perspective is that you know for so many years if you didn't have a job you didn't have health insurance and that's just monstrously what is that like 401k or something 
Uh, 401k is a retirement account that's been oh, okay. created over the past So there's another one. But I, but I know that your health insurance is tied to your company. I remember yeah. my American colleague and friend told me at the time, he, he said that you're basically your whole livelihood is basically dependent upon the job you take. And I said, that's fucking asinine. It's, yeah, <laughs> and you it's said, right? and inhumane. <laughs> and, you know, finally, with uh, the, the recent healthcare, affordable healthcare acts, those things have been mitigated to a certain amount. Um, but you can still have your own private health insurance through a company, but now you have these health exchanges that where you can register on a government website and then choose health insurance from private companies. But um, it, why, why did me getting tuberculosis prompt you into action to make sure you got health insurance? Because I didn't even know that there was like, I, I, I wasn't aware of the, the health, national health care system. But I thought that wouldn't it be the case that coming from America, you'd be worried about your, you know, your job like in Japan and how that would connect with health, uh, you know, your health. I thought it would, I thought it would have been the opposite approach. You, you'd yeah, be really concerned. I, I think that I just didn't. It. I had no awareness, and that's the thing. It's like when you're. I, I was in my. I was still in my twenties, and I didn't really understand. Like I, I, I think part of it's because. I felt foreign, so I didn't know what my rights were. Like, I didn't really understand that I had rights. Right, yeah. And that's a weird thing, because I was coming out of a study abroad program. Right. And it, it's, it's, I, didn't ha I just didn't have the knowledge base to to. I think to you just really answered understand. my question about yeah. why they get away with this. They're just preying yeah. upon people's ignorance, like yeah. foreigners like you. yeah. Oh, and no, we didn't. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, all of us. It's it's a really strange thing to. I, I if I tap into the memory of my emotional memories, I just felt like I didn't have any right. Mm. You know, and then once I got the health insurance, I was like, well, wait a second. Oh, I can just get this, and it felt like I was taking candy from a candy store or something. I was like, wow, I can. I can get health insurance mm. now. Mm, it was mm, like, mm. this This is a bonus. And there are so I, many strings attached in America, yeah. right? And then yeah. these hidden, and um, hidden costs yeah. of it, of getting it. And you got private insurance companies as well who want a piece. Right. And I, what I realized was that after I got it, then I started reflecting on my own country's health insurance system. And I was like, what the fuck is America doing? Yeah. That system is out of control ridiculous yeah wow it which just blew my mind wide open you know right. i was just like yeah. the arguments that are happening in america at that time were just boneheaded stupid like i just couldn't i i was flabbergasted anyway it's not about america Let's get back on track. No, yeah, no, but I, I love it. I love the fact that you're incorporating, you know, your experiences, you've got personal experiences to share, and I think that helps to put things into perspective for listeners. Yeah. Uh, for American listeners out there, I, I'm sure they'd appreciate your the parallels that you make. Yeah. Uh, I know New Zealand, uh, I'm sure if there are any New Zealanders listening, I come from a country where you don't have to really worry about health insurance. Right. Um, I think we're fine. So we're closer to the Japanese system. We're pretty mm -hmm. much covered. You know, I do have an experience of getting something done in New Zealand. I visited New Zealand when I was 22. 
and I needed to get a shot before I went to Fiji for like some typhoid or something like that. Right. And I just walked into a medical place. I, I was so, I didn't know anything. I was just like, I need to get a typhoid shot, ty- typhoid shot. And somebody said, oh, there's a, there's a medical office over there. I was like, I guess they treat foreigners. I think I paid mm. like six New Zealand dollars. Wow. And just got this shot. And they're like, oh, you need a shot? And they gave me a shot. I was like, no insurance card, no identification. They didn't ask for ID. <laughs> I just walked in and, got in, and I got health care. And yeah. when I look back at that, I'm like, oh, that's humane. Yes, that is. What, what America does is inhumane. It is the opposite of how humans are supposed to treat each other. I had no idea. <laughs> like I was like, and even at that time, I didn't realize. And it's only in reflection, like going through all these different experiences in Japan and then thinking about my own country and all that stuff. Yeah, America sucks in some yeah, regards. Yeah, for that kind of stuff? Yeah. God damn it. What the fuck? It's yeah. not, it's like frustrating to hear. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. And I think, you know, I come from a similar system back uh, from New Zealand. Coming from New Zealand to Japan, it wasn't, str- I, I just expected it. I expected to be covered for health insurance. Whereas unemployment insurance, that was new to me. But health insurance, right. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. sure. I mean, what, uh, I go in and just expect the same kind of coverage. I don't remember exactly the differences, but I do expect not to pay a lot out of pocket for any kind, you know, right. for most treatments. Going to the dentist or going to get some medicine for a cough or uh, for the flu or what have you. Yeah, it was no problem at all. But, right. I, but I really appreciated it when I got fucking tuberculosis because right. uh, that's something which I could not leave the country because it's a fucking highly contagious disease whereby right. I wasn't even allowed on the plane to go home to seek my own, to treatment in my own country. So I'd be fucked. I'd be completely fucked without health insurance. Right. And uh, I, I obviously I needed some... Um, actually, I think the unemployment insurance kept me going longer because the meals. I didn't have uh-huh. to worry about meals or accommodation. That's all taken right. care of in um, uh, just staying in the hospital because of health insurance. You know right. how much I paid at the end of seven months? How much did you pay? 100,000 yen. That's fucking amazing. So I paid $1,000 to our uh, American listeners, 1,000 American dollars for, uh, for getting treatment with meals, staying in hospital for seven months, and I didn't have to worry about paying back meals or anything. Or fucking, um, you know, the unemployment insurance um, helped me because I could go out, sing karaoke with one of the nurses. <laughs> oh, we could talk about that at another, <laughs> another point. <laughs> we actually, so I should mention to listeners, we talked about my experience and uh, having tuberculosis, well, well, hospital. We talked about hospitals, but uh, the quality of that podcast wasn't up to snuff. So we're touching it upon it, uh, upon it now. Uh, maybe we'll do it again at some stage or release this as is. But uh, but yeah, uh, it was a real it was a real experience being in. Well, I want to know, like, okay, I love that story, but I want to know about the the uh, the fucking shot you got up your spine. Spinal tap. Spinal tap. That was only, I think it was the second day. I remember. Going in, and there was like this other woman who spoke fluent English with a Japanese, a Japanese guy, a Japanese doctor who can't speak any English. And then she's explaining to me what's going to happen. So I'm sitting there, and she said, I'm sorry, he can't speak uh, much English, but uh, what he's going to do is 
he's going to take this needle and she shows me the needle just right. like this long um I'm, I'm i'm showing you in the camera uh-huh can you see that yeah that looks it's to like, be about s- six inches long and uh, maybe she, uh yeah. it's, it's 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 really fucking long and and and, and she says she's gonna take this he's gonna take this needle and she's gonna he's gonna put it in your in your uh, spinal column right here and she she touches my as i'm sitting down yeah. she touches it yeah and i said oh Oh, you mean like a spinal tap? She's like, yes, that's yeah. the word. Yeah, yeah, spinal tap. Yeah, I said, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that painful? <laughs> I said, isn't that, is it, is it, isn't that painful? Yeah. And she, you know what she, she said to me? She said, uh-huh. you are a foreigner, so you can handle pain. <laughs> and I said, well, listen, I'm not, like, I'm not like most foreigners, and I've got a very low pain threshold, so uh, <laughs> I don't think she was trying I, don't to think I could you. handle it. <laughs> But what was working on, what was that. working in my favor is that I'm still struggling with this disease, and I can you know I lost my eyesight right, and I'm also right. can barely walk, so I, I don't have enough energy to even scream. So right. I did feel it. I felt the pain. I felt this needle going into my fucking spine, and it was very painful. Yeah, it was, ex- it was really. Pa- if I had the energy, I would have screamed for the top of my lungs. But I just simply yeah. didn't. I just simply didn't have the energy to complain and the only reason that they were doing that was to ascertain whether tuberculosis had spread into my spine because that would be dangerous right so if it was just localized to my lungs then uh-huh. the treatment would work but if it if it had uh somehow infected my uh my spinal column apparently that would mean different treatment and also quickly talking about my experience there there are two wards two different pl- sections of this hospital I was in a, I was in one part of one part of the hospital. Every, of course, everybody's wearing masks, just like fucking COVID times. So I was already prepared. Oh. I already got. I'd, I'd been through the conditioning of wearing masks. So so that's great right, for right, being right. in COVID times. I remember looking at this other ward, and it was sealed off like some quarantine fucking zone. There are these different right. layers to get into it, and I said, "What's what is that? What's what's going on over there?" And uh, one of the nurses told me, "Oh, that's." Um, for other patients and uh, I said what what do you mean other other patients don't we all have tuberculosis and she said oh no no we're trying to work out in Japanese right because I don't speak right. Japanese very well at the time she mm-hmm. can't speak English so we're trying to work it out but but I found I find out later that there are these patients who have a, spe- uh, a particularly resistant drug resistant form of tuberculosis and mm-hmm. also especially contagious form of tuberculosis tuberculosis which makes them uh, deadly to right. outsiders so they're stuck in there for wow. i don't know how long i don't even want to think about it but their right. their lives are fucked because the drugs right. i'm taking no longer works for them uh, because somehow they fucked up the protocol and that's why um they've got like a particularly drug resistant strain of it or something uh you and i talked a lot about tuberculosis yeah, before. yeah. Um, it's a shame. I mean, it's a shame we couldn't release that episode, but maybe yeah. we will. Maybe we will at some stage. Who knows? I really the 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 spinal tap. You, I think you went into certain details that were really interesting, like the the whole the whole process of uh, like pulling out the needle and then like where you were sitting and how the doctor mm. talked to you, how the nurse talked to you. Yeah. It was it a was it I mean how did the doctor you said the nurse was there and he said oh you're a foreigner what what about the doctor's demeanor in the whole process? Uh f- from what I remember, just very matter of fact. Yeah, it's like he's done a fucking hundred of them in a, in, the, in the same day. Yeah, uh, I don't. Um, you know, looking back on it now, you know, time 
Yeah. The, the just the progression of time, memories fade. Right. Spinal Tap that stays with me, but but there there are moments of my stay there which I I can look back on fondly. I can mm-hmm. say like I made, uh, I went out with a nurse for karaoke. I fucking right. I spoke. I, I made a friend with a yakuza guy, yeah. and a policeman, an ex cop. And they were both friends. A yakuza guy and a cop were both friends, and we would smoke together. I would be outside <laughs> smoking with him every day, and we all got tuberculosis. And uh, the only reason I know he was yakuza is because uh, everybody told me, and because he told me, and because I saw him with his shirt off, and he's just got tatted up to the fucking neck. <laughs> he's got all these tattoos all over him, and and then I saw his sons, who are these fucking Bozozoku members. What is Bozozoku? Right. Bike gang? Bike gang yeah. members? And I, I spoke very little fucking Japanese, but I, I picked up a lot of Japanese along the way, and and I was friends with so many of these these Japanese people who were that made me realize fucking hell we are so similar. I know that sounds cliche or trite, generic, yeah, trite yeah. as fuck to say that, but those months staying there, I just uh, made me just appreciate even with the language barrier, just how close yeah. we all are. Even the fucking yakuza guy and cop, the cop could see similarities. <laughs> like, you know, they they saw things in each other, and, and they were fucking friends. It was all just uh, an amazing experience for me, and, yeah, and I, yeah. and I, I would not regret going. Maybe it's a stretch, but I, <laughs> I did <laughs> to say I go through all that again. But I, I can say I can say that I learned a lot and made me really uh, want to get my life in order after I got mm-hmm. out. You know, to stop drinking right. so much. Uh, I didn't, but mm-hmm. but I also made you know you and I. I think I, yeah. I really counted on you. You were like one of my best yeah. uh, mates who who came through for me. And you you just I, I asked, oh listen, I I need a place to stay when I get out of here, and and you were like, yeah, sure, yeah. And you didn't even have a big place, so no. that's how we had one room. Yeah, really got to you know slept each in other. my sleeping bag for uh, yeah. Six <laughs> yeah. Stayed up, watched uh, ridiculous movies. Yeah, in yeah. That, uh, apartment. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, taking uh, visiting you because I, you know, it, for me it was like I didn't really have a lot of friends then either. So I would go. I would just be like, oh, I'll visit Reagan, see what's going on. And I gave you some books. We'd go out, and I was like, I remember you're like, oh, let's go to the uh, cafe. I'm like, you have tuberculosis. <laughs> 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 what do you mean go to the station? That's why I was like, okay, I'll go to the station and drink a coffee in Dotor, the smokiest cafe anywhere <laughs> in the country. While region. I'm smoking. <laughs> <laughs> why are you smoking? Don't you have tuberculosis? Like it was, <laughs> that was one of the confounding things for me. But uh, yeah, I remember the book, that book about the uh, Neanderthals that I gave you. Ponder right. bought it. Yeah. Yes, Ponder bought it. And his, his uh, what was his sexual proclivities as a as a neanderthal you say you see those neanderthals they could take on a a male sexual partner and a lifetime female sexual partner at the same time and they were all good with it man because they're neanderthals (laughs) they have a higher understanding of everything i just love the names in that ponder bought it sounds like something you just i don't know and a, a word that you come up with when you you're trying to fool someone playing Scrabble, <laughs> right? It's like it's a ponder bot. It. <laughs> What's that? It's a Neanderthal name. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. That story about going out 
and meeting a nurse. Jesus Christ. No, not meeting a nurse. Your friendship with the nurse who then... Yeah, well, we were outside smoking. I smoked, like, fucking all the time outside with my Yakuza and, and cop friend and other 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 patients. And uh, and that's where I met the nurse. Uh, and she spoke fluent English. Yeah, we got, we got talking. And she knew I wasn't really... No, no, I wasn't really infectious. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, some of... Like, the strand that I had, I, I wasn't... You couldn't really catch it from me as easily as other other patients it was like kind of a non-infectious version of it and mm-hmm. so it was okay for me to go out and like sing karaoke if i wanted to but there was a curfew of like 10 p.m so i remember proposing to her one day i said hey um do you mind what do, what do you think about just us going to karaoke i really want to get out i got cabin fever and this was maybe four three three or four months so I actually mm-hmm. i could have gotten out in four months but uh-huh. because of this one incident, <laughs> <laughs> I, go out, I, go out nurse, I go out with his nurse. I go out with his nurse, and uh, I miss my curfew. I remember the head nurse. Oh, tough fucking woman. She's like a war- like yeah. one of those prison wardens and those fucking yeah. movies of like female prisons. Just tough as fuck. And she said, as soon as I came back, uh, you know, after I missed her calls, I come back and I apologize profusely. I'm bowing and I'm like, I'm so gomenazai, And she, she just said to me in, in Japanese, like, Modame, Modame, Dame. And then I think uh, the next day the doctor comes over and he says, uh, You cannot, uh, no more going out. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, you're going to be staying with us a, uh, a little longer because we can't trust you. Mm. And because of the medi- yeah. uh, medication. Because if they left, they, if they let me go, then yeah. they, there was no guarantee that I can take the medication at the at the same time every day, and that right, was the most right. critical part uh, of the protocol. Uh, the tuberculosis treatment was taking your medication at certain times of the day, and if you missed one, then you're kind of fucked. So right. so that one incident proved to them that uh, I couldn't be trusted. Well, that's a you know the thing about like the treatment and dedication of the staff and all that stuff. I remember that I had to go in to meet the doctors and nurses because you they you, you had to had a have a, a definite place to stay and i said oh yeah you can stay my place and then they wanted to talk to me about your regimen and i was like okay <laughs> yeah yeah i do you realize i'm a dumbass <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> well that's why they didn't even trust you because they ended up making me go to this one place near the station to yeah. see a fucking pharmacist, and a pharmacist right. would watch me take the medicine. So the pharmacist yeah, I mean, that's, would li- would just watch me. On them. I would yeah. go them. I would go there at a certain time of the day, and the pharmacist would watch me take this fucking medicine, and that's it. It was like a f- like one minute going. They're like, oh hey, oh, hey, domo, domo, and then yeah, I like, yeah. take the medicine. Like, uh, bye bye, Johnny, Johnny, yeah. <laughs> bye. And I mean that that was that was smart for them because I think they yeah. pretty much understood. Like when I was talking to them, I was like, Oh, we're, yeah, we're both know, irresponsible. I have a job. Like I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying you're, you have to be responsible for me. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah. I, I'm, I should be responsible for myself. And yeah, so they right, saw right. telltale signs of, of me just being an incapable of uh, um, taking care of myself. So good for them. Like you said, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they knew, okay, we've got to get them out of this bed. We, we, we maybe they're running out of space. I don't know. In fact, I don't even know the current uh, status of tuberculosis in Japan, but I know that it, the, mm. the fact that they've got a hospital dedicated to it, that should tell you mm-hmm. something. Right. Yeah, I, it, it's uh, one of the more unique experiences that you could have. And it almost, as you were talking about it, kind of 
it almost sounds like the makings of like a, a movie, like a feel good movie. Oh, don't give fucking whoever's listening. We work in Hollywood. Fucking hell. We <laughs> own the rights. We own the fucking <laughs> rights of the story. Okay. You're not going to fucking take, you're not going to take it from us unless we, we ha- uh, are intimately involved in choosing the, the actors, the directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll I want the, Martin Scorsese to direct yeah, it. Yeah, it's Martin Scorsese to direct this. After Silence, a here comes another, another uh, amazing Japanese <laughs> movie about Japan, about a drunk who gets tuberculosis. Uh, but, you know, the um, thing is, is that when I was in hospital and I, I was released mm. from hospital, I, I really hoped that I'd get my life together, and I didn't. So there is no happy ending. Until... A few years ago, I started to make changes just based upon, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I just got tired of it. Mm-hmm. So even the fact that I was in hospital for all those months didn't really change me until I just saw a string of failures in career choices or relationship choices or, um, yeah, it was just something that, that happened. The change came came about through, uh, I think, just being fed up with the way the way things were going. Right. But that's the depre- depressing thing about it. You would think coming out of that experience, you'd be like, oh, wow, he's going to turn over a new leaf. Nah. Well, I think it takes, you know, it just goes to show you that's not exactly how life works. You know, it's got to it be on your own terms. and Yeah. No matter what y- external external forces are against you. Or, yeah. No matter what big event happens, it's not always the big event. It's the, the culmination of so many little events that eventually right. lead to a decision being made. And I guess that's your case. Like, ah, uh, I keep screwing up, screwing up, screwing up, screwing up, screwing up, screwing up. Uh, okay. Now I, I'm done. I'm finished. Mm. It's like, it's, it doesn't matter. Like you, people talk about rock bottom. Oh, that's where I hit rock bottom. It's like, I think, People hit rock bottom and then, st- and then I'm not saying that you are at rock bottom, but like just maintaining that same level. Right. And moving forward, progressing. So uh, you might not think like, oh, this is when I hit bo- rock bottom. I couldn't go any further. It's like, well, maybe you couldn't go further, but you're going to just maintain that level for a certain amount of time before you realize, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to, or realize or decide, decide to make changes or whatever. Mm-mm. But, uh, well, for know. listeners who are coming to Japan, uh, if it isn't already clear, uh, we'd recommend that you make sure that whatever job you take, please ensure that you've got health insurance, unemployment insurance, pension. I don't know. Uh, I don't mm. know much about the pension, but maybe you, you mm, do. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just another aspect of uh, payments that you can do directly with the city government. You go to the city office say in addition to health insurance you can pay into the to the pension system it's it's required by law quote unquote if you don't pay into it no one's going to come knocking on your door but if you are in Japan for 2 or 3 years and then suddenly you want to pay into it you're going to have to pay back taxes on it uh right. so you're going to have to pay up to 2 years previous which i ended up doing um but one Do of you the how much the you thing- had to pay uh, was something like 400,000 yen. Okay. You know, and, and I, I paid into it. And then, you know, one of the issues that uh, is in the news often is whether or not this is the viability of, of the whole system. Because uh, they're saying not enough Japanese people are paying into the pension system because they don't believe that it's going to be there when they grow old. 
Right. And so when you have a loss of confidence in that aspect, then it really gets lost because all the money is coming. How the system works now is the people paying, the young people paying now are paying the pension of the people who are old now. Mm-mm. So it's not like you're making a, it's not like you're making a, an account for yourself. You are paying the people now who are old. Right. So that's how the Japanese system works. And as the population declines in Japan, everyone, that's a world famous story. Fewer right? people pay, are around to actually pay for it. Yeah. So then it becomes more and, and so more the prices increase. Prices might increase. And, you know, recently we had a, a consumption tax increase, but that's not even to pay for that stuff. That's to pay for a whole, whole host of other the Olympics. Uh, social welfare programs. What's that? It's to pay the, for the Olympics. the Olympics. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff involved in that. And the government's probably going to have to get really creative on how they're going to handle this. Because I don't, I don't personally think the pension system's going to go away. It's just a gut feeling. I don't have any facts or things like this. My gut's gonna. My gut is telling me it's been around this long. It's not just gonna disappear, but it's going to. It's going to be shifted. Money is going to be reallocated from different places in order to support that system. Right. And so it it might be from increased consumption tax. We're paying ten percent right now. It might go up even further, or. Uh, there might be other ways of, of dealing with it that I'm not creative enough to actually discuss. But mm-hmm. now there's the, there, there is that system, but then there's a lot of private pension systems that govern, uh, companies produce. And those, uh, I, I belong to teachers union. And so there is the teacher union uh, pension system, which is historically had higher returns for teachers when you, when you retire, you get a little bit more pension money. Uh, also, the health insurance is managed by the teachers' union. And so we have certain perks. For example, um, if you pay, if you go to the doctor multiple times in a month and you end up, say, you pay 10,000 yen out of pocket, anything over 3,000 yen, uh, you get back if you put in the application. Right. Also why why do teachers get special treatment? Why yeah, why is so, this union so powerful? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. That's an interesting question. But I, I don't really. Um, I, I guess they they have. I yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I, I I can't speculate at this point. But I know that it's you know pulling in with a smaller group of people allows unions to do things that other organizations can't do. And I think that's like the original thing. Like if I go way back, you know, Lewis Mumford, History of Cities, he talks about things called guilds, which existed in Europe hundreds of oh, years ago. Oh, was he ago. in that band uh, Mumford and Sons? Uh, I think he was. I think he was the grandfather on the rocking oh, wow. chair. I'm okay. not sure. Same yeah. lineage. And he wore uh, mm. uh, straw sandals and uh, mm. he, he wore a knapsack for mm, sure. Nice. I, I'm not quite sure, yeah. But he he talks about the guilds in Europe and how they were the first organizations to help, you know, regular blue collar, what we call blue collar types pay for a funeral because Mm. everyone's pitching in with their money together. And then so basic things that didn't really exist in society, they could uh, 
that they could be done in those smaller guilds. And perhaps that's how the union system works, the teachers union system works, is that there's this private union and you're paying dues into the union. And then with that pool of money, you can do a little bit more. Right. Um, so then there's, we also have uh, for a private savings, super savings accounts, which uh, is hilarious because the, the, uh, the interest rates in Japan for a regular bank account are like infinitely small. It's like 0.01. And so the super savings accounts, and I've showed my co-host these pictures, like yeah. they, they do it, they, the, the bar graph is so skewed. It's like 0.25% from 2.21 and it shows it double. And it shows it's so much huge, so much bigger, <laughs> but it's not even reaching a half a percent. But... People think, and generally speaking, when my wife looked at it, when my coworkers look at that, they say, wow, that's a pretty good uh, interest rate. Oh, no, they, so, they look at the picture. Yeah, yeah they, they look at the picture and they're just like, wow, that lady is surprised. <laughs> she looks so, so amazed. She's like, wow. <laughs> so amazed by that, by that number. But that, that allows you to, I can take out a bunch of money from, I, I put in a bunch of uh, money into that every month. I, I, um, I save a, a, a ton of money just by doing that. I, it, I never touch it. It just goes directly. And then in bonus point, bonus times as well, when a bonus comes around, we just got a bonus recently. So I'll take a big chunk of my bonus and just put it straight into that super saver account. Right. So super there, saver. There's those types of things. It's like you say super, super, Sa yeah. super saver account, <laughs> but it's point, point what? Point zero? Point two. Point two. <laughs> point two. Okay. So how much would you get back? <laughs> with all the money like, all the money you put in so if you forecast like 20 years or 30 years from now yeah all the money you're putting in yeah it's uh would it's, you think uh, it, would you say it's super it's like it'll be a super um, retirement plan it's uh, versus super keeping it under <laughs> keeping it under your pillow because you got inflation to think about too <laughs> so you might be losing money with the super saver account well that's the thing there's not much inflation happening in japan but anyway, you, you got a point. You have a point. But I think I am, uh, I'll get, for, I think I project I'll make a few million more yen off of the amount of money that I save. Okay. So, you know, I'll make another maybe twenty or $30,000 on top of what I already save. Right. But I, I mean, I'm saving like, I don't want to say how much I save, but I yeah. save enough to... I save probably about 20% of my salary every year. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I hope point. it's clear to people. You've got to make sure you're in the system. Yeah. Oh, uh, just quickly, for Hello Work, when you go into Hello Work, uh, you, you need to have some level of understanding in uh, Japanese. So please uh, seek help. If you can't speak any Japanese, you can't... Uh, my advice is go in with the Japanese native Japanese person to help you along the way because it's kind right. of a pain in the ass to file the documentation. It's all in Japanese. You go in, the processes, you meet with the staff, and then you've got to come in for orientation. So orientation is you go in, you watch a fucking two-hour video where basically they tell you how to come back again in two hours they tell you in a two-hour video they tell you okay this is the application process and they want you to be looking for work 
So the incentive structure is about, it's not just getting unemployment insurance and that's that. Right. They want to make sure that you're looking for work. So you've right. got to come in every so often to prove to them that you're applying the jobs. And then they will mm-hmm. check by calling these companies. Right. And that's pain in the ass. And also they threaten you. They've got this uh, old old Japanese guy who's very <laughs> stern voice. And he looks you looks into your soul yeah. in the camera. He's looking at the camera, but he's looking into your soul. He's like, if you think you can get away with fraud, then you've got another thing coming, buddy. <laughs> I can't understand I anything. I'm just imagining him saying that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, all yeah, in yeah, Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, but apparently like he's sequel saying... sequel to the movie about the terp- tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, apparently he's saying, listen, we, we monitor each person who applies for unemployment insurance. We know that, you know, we, we can identify cheapskates who are just riding the system, <laughs> I think, but no. I think we, you're... <laughs> I think you're writing the lines for Liam Neeson in this movie. <laughs> I will find you. And after and after listening to you talk about how this is, how there's no way for them to even fucking check, then what he's saying is empty. There's empty threats. <laughs> and you know, you know what he's talking. It also shows this computer database behind him, like like these yeah, servers. Yeah, yeah. All these servers is like collecting all this fucking information. And you just said that they've just gone online recently. <laughs> they yeah. just digitized shit. They're just trying, and it and it's so and it's so janky right now. The, yeah. I, I have one of these my number cards, and the reason why I got it is because my school they require us to have these my number cards. So I have this thing, but my wife didn't want to get it, and privacy you know, right concerns. now up up to now it's like forty five percent of the Japanese population has it, and this was started. At first, it was initially released in two thousand sixteen. It's been five years, 45% of the population. (laughs) And uh, so, but but it's slowly catching up. And I do understand what the government is trying to do with the system. And of course, we're going to talk about this more in depth. All right. So let's let's call it into this podcast and uh, this episode. And we will uh, see uh, each other soon. Uh, We will cover, we'll cover my number again in news, which we will be covering shortly. So thank you, everyone, for listening. If you get anything about, um, out of this, please uh, leave us a review. Um, please share it with your friends or whatever. Um, but we really do appreciate you guys listening. So thank you very much.